open events in depth discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa for a new week of the latest on what's happening on the continent of Africa from an African perspective. Thank you for joining us on the shortwave service. Remember, we're on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV. We're on Channel 802 on the audio book here. You can also stream us live on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be looking at the nature of uh, commissions in South Africa. There's one that's ending, which is uh, the Mohoro Commission, which was concluded in terms of the hearings, and I think we'll be waiting for their recommendations under that particular commission, if I'm not mistaken. But we're going to be looking at the effectiveness, we're going to be looking at what came out of the Americana Commission, and do these commissions actually hold in terms of their recommendations afterwards, and do we see enough implementation, and are they really worth the time that we're putting the investment into as South Africa. We'll be speaking to Dr. Kathy Powell, who's an associate professor in public law at the University of Cape Town, and Stan Hankerman, who's the executive director at the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation. But before we get into that, Enmusa is already waiting, and she's going to give us our news. In the headline, South Africa's ruling ANC rejects reports that it attempted to pressure the public broadcaster to increase coverage of its election campaign in the lead-up to the May polls. United Nations Undersecretary for Humanitarian Affairs concludes a three-day trip to Zimbabwe. And Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto's pilot dies in a helicopter crash. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. South Africa's ruling ANC has rejected reports in a Sunday newspaper that it has attempted to pressure the public broadcaster, the SABC, to increase coverage of its election campaign in the lead-up to the May polls. News editors and group executives from the SABC met with the ANC's head of elections, Fikile Mbalula, at the SABC headquarters in Johannesburg. The SABC says it remains committed as the public broadcaster to independence and impartiality. The ANC's acting national spokesperson, Diko Talihuate, says the meeting with the SABC discussed issues of mutual interest. The article of the City Press, it is not true. 
As the African National Congress, we are preparing for May the 8th. So we are meeting with various stakeholders to discuss our approach on our election campaign. So it lacks the truth, this story, that we want to bully the SABC and we want to control the SABC because we are fully aware of the prescripts of the law that the SABC is a public protester, it's independent, it's impartial, we are not the part of the SABC. Algerian President Abdulaziz Bouteflika has promised to call an early election and not stand again if he's re-elected next month. Bouteflika is now formally registered as a candidate despite days of nationwide protest against his decision to seek a fifth term. In a letter read out on state television channel, he says he will implement reforms. The BBC's Rana Jawad reports. The letter, addressed to the Algerian people, promised an inclusive national conference, a referendum to reform the constitution and early elections for a successor. Over the past 10 days, mass protests against President Bouteflika's plan to run for a fifth term in office have been held in cities across the country, including the capital Algiers. The scale of the recent and rare protests suggests that the president's latest offer for major reforms, if he is re-elected, is unlikely to reassure the tens of thousands of Algerians. United Nations Undersecretary for Humanitarian Affairs Mark Lowcock has concluded his three-day trip to Zimbabwe by visiting villages affected by drought and economic meltdown. During his three-day mission, Lowcock met with senior government officials, NGOs and humanitarian organizations. According to a field monitor with Afrique, Lovnes Guiane, drought ravaged the lives of schoolchildren, the elderly and the sick the most. Masembura, we are helping 167 households with 772 beneficiaries, and we are also helping 95 under fives. We have got the child headed, we have got the elderly headed without support, we also have got the, the sick without support, we also have got able-bodied but who are food insecure, we also have got others we had poor harvest from the last season. A Nigerian court has condemned as illegal and unconstitutional the arrest and deportation of Cameroonian separatists who had applied for asylum in Nigeria. In January last year, Nigeria arrested and deported 47 Anglophone separatists who had fled Cameroon following a crackdown by the authorities. The move was denounced by the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, which said most of them had filed asylum claims and accused Nigeria of breaching international agreements. The arrest and detention of 12 applicants were deemed illegal. Among the 12 claimants were separatist leader Julia Sisiko Ayuktabe, president of the self-declared Republic of Ambazonia. And finally, Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto's pilot has died in a helicopter crash. The police have confirmed that the pilot died on Sunday together with his four American passengers. The chopper came down at about 8 p.m. Kenyan time in a national park in Turkana, north of the country. Recovery efforts are underway at the scene of the crash. Recapping the top stories, South Africa's ruling ANC rejects reports that it attempted to pressure the public broadcaster to increase coverage of its election campaign in the lead-up to the May polls. United Nations Undersecretary for Humanitarian Affairs concludes a three-day trip to Zimbabwe. And Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto's pilot dies in a helicopter crash.
There's a lot that needs to be fixed. I wanted to become and to learn for a chance. Africa is for the Africans. We must all be one and we must all be united. I can say life has changed, but not everything has changed. 25 years later, is democracy working for all South Africans? Has it lived up to the dreams of 1994? Your voice matters and all will be revealed on Monday, the 4th of March. Connect with us on SABC Radio, TV and digital platforms. SABC News, independent and impartial. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you for joining us on our various platforms. The main, main one being uh, our shortwave service uh, that has our biggest reach uh, on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us on DSTV, don't forget we're also on Channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. Most of the countries that can get hold of us there are usually in the SADC country, mainly in South Africa. You can find us on that audio bouquet and you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za well uh, just the last week we saw one of uh, uh, the hearings of uh, one of the commissions happening in South Africa actually coming to a conclusion which is uh, the Mohoro inquiry which began uh, some uh, six weeks ago seven weeks now and uh, we saw it looking into the fitness of uh, suspended senior NPA advocates Lawrence Puebi and and their capacity to hold office. It was a very interesting outcome. Not outcomes have actually been uh, really rolled out there because we're still waiting uh, for recommendations uh, from the uh, Mohoro Commission itself but also it's been interesting in terms of seeing all these inquiries that are happening in South Africa and we've been asking in terms of the Marikana inquiry there was a question that came out in terms of uh, if uh, the victims of the Marikana um, massacre were actually um, they uh, uh, compensated for that particular incident and what came out of that it seems like a settlement hasn't actually been finalized in terms of the family that were uh, affected in that particular case so today we've been asking about the efficiency of these uh, commissions and we're joined on the line by dr kathy powell who's an associate professor in public law at the university of uh, cape town her areas of expertise are constitutional and international law we'll also be joined by stan hankerman who is the Executive Director at the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation. Let me start with you, Dr. Kathy Powell. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you very much. Now, let's look at uh, this uh, investment that we're making into inquiries, um, Kathy, because it's very interesting to see that we've had um, a multiple of them so far. And zooming into the Marikana inquiry, uh, there's a lot of conversations happening last week around whether the compensation has been completed and victims of the Marikana massacre not actually being um, compensated for the loss of their family members. What are your thoughts around these particular commissions? Because sometimes we just get recommendations, but things seem to halt there. And the follow-up to actually these recommendations, sometimes we see a vacuum in that regard. 
Well, as a matter of law, we always only give recommendations from a commission. It's all it's empowered to do. Commissions are odd bodies, so they seem like courts because they have a lot of power to conduct an investigation, including often uh, the power to force people to, to provide uh, evidence that might be self-incriminating. So they've got extensive investigatory powers. But all they can do when they're finished is provide a report with recommendations to the person who set them up. So any failures that then follow are because of the person who set them up who's then not acting on them rather than the commission itself. Um, and that's not to say all commissions are perfect, but you, you are highlighting the problem of a commission coming up with recommendations that then don't happen. That's a failure of political will. And it is a problem with commissions because it's one of the ways their fact-finding function can be manipulated and used by government to make it look as if they're dealing with a problem, whereas all they're actually doing is putting it on hold. Mm. Kathy, you know, what's also interesting in terms of why do we resort to commissions? Why is that the first impulse that we have in terms of dealing with some of these uh, social ills or dealing with corruption or the Americana injustice, uh, as we highlighted in this intro? Why do we go for that particular strategy? Why don't we establish rather tribunals? Why don't we go directly to utilizing the courts themselves? Look, that's a good question. I think there might be two roles to a commission. One is fact-finding outside of the strict evidence requirements of a court of law. Uh, there's no, no such thing as inadmissible evidence before a commission. And the commission usually has a lot of leeway in deciding what evidence it's, it's going to take on board or not. We've seen this in the Zondo Commission, where um, Zondo is prepared to accept evidence. It's prepared to allow other people to cross-examine people who've testified, provided they provide their own version of facts first. So he's actually setting up a system whereby information comes in, and he can use information that wouldn't be admissible in a court of law. But it, it gives you a broader scope to actually find out what the problem is and find out what the facts are. That, that's one useful thing about a commission. The other thing about a commission is that it can deal with what you'd call polycentric problems, where it's not just a matter of what happened, but a matter of what should be done. So if you look at the Nugent Commission or the Mahora Commission, um, they're looking at how a whole system has broken down and isn't working. Or the Isidemeni uh, arbitration, which wasn't mm. a commission but had commission-like qualities. Sure. Now for that, that's not a court's job. So it's a way of getting all of society into a broader discussion and rather than solving a particular dispute between two people. Let me bring in Stan Hankerman in terms of this conversation. Just a reminder, he's the Executive Director at the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation. And just not just to correct myself, I was referring to uh, the Americana inquiry in terms of compensation, but actually, it's actually the debate around that's happening is around the Isitimeni uh, compensation issue where uh, the Democratic Alliance uh, uh, just a few days ago announced the fact that uh, uh, the 365 claim Payments uh, uh, of the life is demanding a strategy are uh, still to receive compensation, and uh, there's a dispute uh, with uh, the Gauteng uh, uh, Premier David Magura, who rejects the falsehood of this particular claim made by the Democratic Alliance. Uh, Stan, let me bring the conversation back to you in terms of uh, looking at that particular issue. In terms of yes, we have all these various commissions, but they don't have really a legal implementation ability. Uh, 
as was highlighted by Kathy in her answers. Uh, what are your thoughts around these commissions? Do you think they are essential because of the fact that we do still have to find some uh, fact-finding mechanism for some of these areas that of dispute or some of these areas uh, that we investigating in terms of issues around ESCOM, the public investment corporation, the issues around corruption, as we're still seeing around the state capture inquiry. Thanks very much. Um, you know, the, the issue of commissions... Stan, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Well, I don't know if we still have Stan there or if can, Stan can, can hear you? us. Let me take a quick break and we'll see if we can connect to Stan and continue the conversation with him alongside Kathy Powell after this break. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time 1000 African Voices with me Awurengwi C on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on African Dialogue. Are you listening to us on our various platforms? Remember, we're on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us on our shortwave service on DSTV on Channel 802. And remember, you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. We're speaking to Dr. Kathy Powell, Associate Professor in public law at the University of Cape Town and Stan Hankerman, who's the Executive Director at the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation. Let me come to you, Stan, in terms of uh, our preference of choice in terms of establishing commissions to look at some of uh, whether the political or social ills that we have in the country, especially looking at, uh, uh, you know, the fact that these commissions don't have an illegal arm to implement anything in terms of uh, the, within the court structures, but they actually the information that comes out of the inquiries themselves can be utilized in, 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 in the court systems. Do you think this is the best way forward to deal with these things? Because these Commissions are costly anyway. Yes, yes you're right. They are costly. Let's start there. And one has to then ask yourself the question, why 
um, the preference um, for commissions um, and, and you know it really depends on which lens you use uh, you know it, it is a fact that very often in some countries um, and in South Africa to you know up to quite recently commissions were really used uh, to kind of take the pressure off government uh, to create an impression that they're doing something and 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 my sense is that the present situation in terms of the commissions that are running now it, uh, it's a very different lens that one must use here and yes while commissions have their limitations what it does do is that it, it creates a sense of transparency um, because these are issues that affect everybody and if you if you take it to a court of law there are only few people who are privy to what what happens in the court of law and even the reporting not everybody reads it whereas because these commissions are, 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 run, are done in a very public way, um, there's, a sense, there's a sense that, that there's a level of transparency that gives people a sense that something is being done about it. Now, the big test, obviously, will be whether people will be prosecuted because um, there, is, there, is, there is no sense in having these very expensive commissions and nothing happened. And I have to agree with Cathy that if we look, for instance, at the Essedimeni Commission, uh, the, 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 the um, um, Makhoro, mm. you know, they have specific purposes. And, and, and so there is an outcome that, that could be, uh, uh, you know, satisfying um, because it then gives in this case, in the Mohoro uh, situation, the president, you know, uh, grounds to to act in whatever way. Mm -hmm. Now, with the with with the with the bigger commissions, I think the big challenge is whether there is going to be um, the kind of action that that is required for people to feel that something is being mm -hmm. done. Um, and and the issue of corruption is something that affects all South Africans. Everybody has an opinion about it. And, and the, so far what we've seen is that there seems to be action already happening. So in that sense, the commission, even though it's expensive, does fulfill a particular purpose and gives the, the populace, uh, people like you and I, the sense that the government is doing something mm. about an aspect that bothers all of us. Let's stay with you, Stan, because the, the process of transparency is there right now because all of them have been broadcastly wide in various uh, 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 broadcasters on television. But where the transparency hap stops is when um, we actually see these uh, commissions finalized, as in uh, the case of uh, the Esdemeni issue and also the Marikana uh, Commission. Uh, what we don't see after that is actually how the compensation has happened. I know, as I highlighted earlier when I was referring to uh, Marikana, but I was actually meaning to speak on the issue of the Isidemini uh, compensation whereby uh, the DA was claiming that uh, the 300 and something Isidemini claimants were not receiving payment yet when the Gauteng Premier David Makura was saying, well, they actually have received uh, uh, payments and uh, he was actually... Uh, referring to uh, uh, the fact that it has actually happened and disputing the DA's um, um, statement. Isn't that where we need more transparency when we actually have to see that follow-up uh, process whereby what happens post these particular commissions? 
No, absolutely. The minute the minute government uh, becomes transparent in the way they they um, run these commissions, then there's a responsibility on the rest of us to keep them accountable. And so, um, in the case of the Isidimeni, I think that's a, that's you know um, it's a contested one because you know they, I suspect there's a bit of party politics there as well with the, with the eye sure. of the elections. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but but having said that, I think it's important for civil society, the rest of us. Uh, to to hold government to an account to account, and we've not been very good at that in South Africa. Um, we we are part of a group uh, of NGOs and um, erstwhile truth commissioners, for instance, who are now putting pressure on government to make good on the recommendations of the TRC, which happened so long ago, um, 21 years this year. So so. So the transparency aspect, I think, is a feel-good thing for people to see that something is being done. But the real test is when these things are done in practice. And there, I think, um, civil society, um, all other institutions must play a role in holding government to account. And, And otherwise... You know, it makes a mockery of its own processes. And mm. um, the SED many, I, I, I'm very reluctant to talk about that mm. because mm. I do think there's a fair bit of party politics involved mm. here too. Mm. Let me come back to you, Dr. Cathy uh, Powell, because that's very interesting what uh, uh, Stan has highlighted because I know that amongst other groups, the Nelson Mandela Foundation has been spearheading that issue around the state, uh, taking forward the recommendations as well of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in terms of making sure that uh, that we see reparations, that prosecutions are actually brought forward to the courts. It's another thing that's been pending for more than uh, uh 15 years now, which is uh, the issues around the TRC. And it's that issue around what happens after the recommendations, isn't it? Yes. I think Stan uh, made the important point. He said transparency is a feel-good factor, but what really ha- what's, what's really important is what happens after a commission. Let me try to develop that idea. Transparency is more than a feel-good factor in that it should inform what we then do. Um, I think that commission's most important role is to enable us to play our, fulfill our duty as citizens of a republic. So it's our democratic duty to take part in the government. We can't do that unless we know what's going on. That's one of the reasons that the commissions are so important, because particularly when you're dealing with corruption, all of this gets hidden. So we need it all out. But that's actually where our work starts as the people of South Africa. And it's not just in that it, it will affect who we vote for. It affects the decisions, our reaction to decisions that get made by the government and our demands for, as, as Stan said, for accountability. I'm thinking of an example after the Isidemini arbitration, mm. um, the scandal that arose when Kwadani ended up on the ANC list. Mm. Exactly. Now, that wouldn't have been a scandal, it wouldn't have been a reaction if we hadn't had all the revelations from the Isidemeni mm-hmm. process. By the way, for your listeners, let's just uh, emphasize, Isidemeni uh, was actually not, it was an arbitration, in other sure, words, sure. Uh, the, the presider had the uh, power under law to actually make binding findings, but he conducted it very well the way a good commission should be 
conducted in that the, the victims of the epidemic process got a chance to be heard and, and South African public was drawn in. And, you know, you, you're talking as, as though it's a failure, and it is, that some of, these, uh, some of this compensation evidently has not been paid out. But notice that it is a scandal. Mm. Notice that you have the Premier denying it, you mm. have the press following up, you have, mm. you have a response to something that is, I think if it had been done through a court, and the, the government had not actually carried out the court findings, and that has happened too, there wouldn't have been the scandal. So we need the sense that the public is aware and responding and getting involved. So I think in a way this, this current brouhaha around the compensation is maybe a sign of if it in any arbitration success. Mm. And also, let's look at something else, uh, Kathy, because that's also interesting when you look at uh, the uh, the state capture uh, inquiry that's underway. It's very interesting that even during the the inquiry that is still taking place, you saw um, the Hawks uh, actually now actually yes. dealing with some of the issues that are taking place in parallel of yes. the, the the state um, state capture inquiry. I mean, we saw the Hawks actually going to the sex world residents of the Gupta family. We saw uh, the whistleblower, Angela Greasy, amongst others, actually um, appearing before the Pretoria Specialized uh, Commercial Crimes. Um, and that was a concern from uh, the, the chair of uh, the commission saying that, is it okay for all these things to be happening in one go there. And uh, that actually was something that stood out for me in terms of seeing these parallel processes happening. Was that legal or should this process actually end and then we see a legal process unfold thereafter? It's not unlawful for the crime-fighting agencies to carry on doing their jobs while there's a commission of inquiry because okay. they're two separate processes. It is unfortunate, I think, the way the Hawks have handled this We've got to realize that they are one of the institutions implicated in state capture. Uh, the mm. appointments made under Zuma to the head of the Hawks, amongst others, uh, were appointments that were overturned by the courts as politically motivated, although they were overturned as irrational. Um, and the Hawks were used as one of the, uh, what shall I call, they were, they were used to hound Pravin Gordon when Pravin Gordon was... Mm providing some real sure. opposition to state capture. So I'm afraid the Hawks have got some catching up to do in legitimacy terms. Sure. Um, it is suspicious that they suddenly start arresting people and doing things when they've been sitting on the case for years and years. Um, and secondly, it of course doesn't help the Zonda Commission that they start arresting the Zonda Commission's witnesses. So although it's not unlawful, um, if it is possible to prove that those particular uh, arrests were were irrational, that is, that, that they were not carried out in pursuance of a legitimate government objective, they could be challenged. What are your thoughts there, Stan, on, on, on that particular issue where you see parallel processing taking place, especially when some of uh, these uh, um, crime-fighting units ha- are actually under scrutiny and questioning in terms of their own credibility? Yes, I, I think that um, I, I agree with Cathy that, that it, it's, it's not... Um, uh, a problem if 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 the crime fighting entities do their work even while the commission is is continuing um, and and in a way it, it was almost like a redemption opportunity for the walks 
you know, because they have been under, under intense scrutiny for their lack of commitment to deal with, with corrupt, corruption-related issues. And so, 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 um, so that was also a positive thing for them. But it is important also for um, justice to be seen to be done. And um, my concern is just that you, you don't want a situation where, you, you know, an entity like the Walks is now so keen on, on jumping onto the bandwagon and, and try and prosecute people without, without having a strong enough case or without doing their homework properly. Because if somebody then gets exonerated, then it becomes a bigger problem because then it, it kind of speaks to uh, and people will make the, the connection and say that the commission didn't do its work, you know. So, so I think one has to, to be careful that you, yes, you welcome the fact that they're doing the, uh, something. Um, and I think in this particular case, with the, the correctional services people, they do have enough evidence, I would imagine. But one, 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 one should not, you know, exclude the possibility of law enforcing agencies um, acting on what comes out of the commission. And I think that is a positive thing, certainly from, from what I have seen, people, the way people responded to it. That's the voice there of Stan Hankerman, who is uh, the executive director at the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation. We also have Dr. Kathy Powell, associate professor in public law at the University of Cape Town, where expertise are constitutional and international law. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to ask uh, our guests when we come back, how far do we, ca- do we take these inquiries and commissions? I know there's a big debate currently whereby uh, the uh, Justice Portfolio Committee within Parliament is uh, looking in to actually um, moving forward uh, uh, an inquiry of uh, public protector Busisiwe Mkwebane's uh, fitness uh, in her office and uh, should we keep having these commissions in terms of uh, uh, having another one and another one where do we actually draw the line of okay we've had enough right now let's deal with the ones that we have currently until we introduce more let's take a quick break This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning 
at 5 past 6 Central African time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. This is African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday, we aim to contextualize some of the big subject matters on the African continent. And today, we're looking at uh, the effectiveness of uh, commissions and inquiries in South Africa. We know we have a whole lot of them right now in the country. And are they being effective? That's the... um, question that we're asking right now and it's very interesting to hear earlier on Dr. Kathy Powell actually differentiating uh, some of the nuances especially looking at the SAT many um, arbitration saying that wasn't really a commission it was it actually had some form of, of, a, of a legal um, uh, ability in terms of uh, uh, its recommendations being very solidified having links to that they must be uh, implemented because of arbitration having that legal uh, power. But coming to you, Dr. Kathy Powell, there's also recommendations now for other inquiries. I mean, just a few days ago, members of parliament decided not to actually go ahead with an inquiry into public protectors, Busisium uh, Kabani's uh, fitness in her uh, office. And already we heard earlier on Stan highlighting uh, uh, the fact that him alongside other organizations including the Nelson Mandela uh, Foundation have actually sent a letter to President Cyril Ramaphosa uh, to appoint a commission of inquiry into alleged political interference uh, that is believed to have stopped investigations and prosecution cases uh, within uh, the TR that were put forward uh, to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Do we have enough resources to actually do uh, ask for more commissions in this country? Because we already have so much on our plate currently. No, I understand what you're saying. We are pretty commissioned out, and they do take tremendous resources. Um, let's just take a couple of points one by one. What Parliament was considering and what the anti-majority has now pre- uh, prevented is an investigation by Parliament itself through one of the, through an ad hoc or a standing okay. committee sure. into whether the public protector should be allowed to keep a job. Basically, they're trying what what the minority tried to do was to set up a process whereby the public protector could be fired, which is provided for in the constitution and legislation, um, and they were prevented from doing so. Yes, they would need funding for that too, but it would be part of Parliament's normal process. Sure. Um, but the, the request to have another commission into what happened uh, after the TRC, that would, of course, involve a lot of difficult investigations because we're going back a very long time. Um, I agree with you that maybe we just can't manage all of the fact-finding, and I think we want to focus on something else that commissions can do and try and use that to make more commissions less necessary in the future. And that is that commissions can identify where systems are not working, where they're corrupt, how they get corrupt, how they get dominated by any one party or one person. If that can be fixed, if an actual system like SARS or the NPA can be adjusted through a commission's work so they can end up in actual reform to the structure so that the institution that's been reformed is now can see it anyway. You shouldn't need as many mm. commissions in the future. Mm. I'm wondering whether um, this work that the Mahoro Commission on the NPA, if that can result in 
uh, a proper identification of misuse of the NPA mm-hmm. and structural changes so that such misuse is not, not possible in the future, maybe the NPA can be persuaded to go back and look at the TOC cases. Mm. You see what I mean? Sure. What we want the commissions to do is just to produce institutions that do the jobs they were yeah. supposed to do anyway. Sure. And if we've got that, we shouldn't need so many commissions in the future. I do agree with you. We can't run the country through commissions. Mm. What's also interesting is your answer there, because I think many people, maybe I'm also doing that myself in this particular interview, and thank you for elaborating, Dr. Kathy Powell, sure. in terms of um, the framework, in terms of inquiries within Parliament and those yes. commissions of inquiry outside of Parliament. There is a differentiation. Could you help us understand those two differentiations there? Certainly. Uh, One of Parliament's duties is oversight over the executive. And the other duty is to make legislation and to see that the country is running properly. For both of those, there often need to do fact-finding. For fact-finding, there is a, a, a... procedure within Parliament of setting up a committee. Mm. And they they suffer the same problems these committees are struggling with uh, resources and so on. For example, the the Public Accounts Committee, one of the committees that actually looked into the running of state-owned enterprises, really struggled and did a heroic job with insufficient funding. So they do, there are parallels between inquiries inside and outside Parliament. Mm. But inside Parliament, it's actually part of their bread and butter to mm. be running inquiries all the time. There are a whole lot of committees, and additional committees, ad hoc committees can be formed, and they're constantly meant to be investigating what's going on in the country and calling people to account for it. Um, outside of Parliament, it's a mechanism that the president of the country or premiers can set up they have the power under the Constitution to do it. And when they set up a, a commission, they have a lot of power to decide what powers the commission is going to have, what questions it can answer, and then generally the commission's just got to come back and give us recommendations. Those commissions then have to be funded, and they're not provided for in the normal budget of the country. One doesn't set up next year's budget assuming that new commissions are going to pop up, so it's always a challenge. Mm. Let me bring back this question to Stan, especially around uh, the one whereby um, uh, there's uh, an asking or uh, uh, a request uh, from these various organizations in terms of uh, another commission of inquiry into uh, political interference uh, uh, when it comes to cases that were brought forward uh, to uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, do you think that uh, we this is a pressing issue right now and it's one that we need to deal with in the context of the other uh, commissions we currently are dealing with and also inquiries within parliamentary um, frameworks? So let me, let me start, Benjamin, start off by saying that the fact that people are now beginning to ask for more commissions is, in a sense, um, an indication that they see value in, in commissions. So, but having said that, if you, and we have established the fact that commissions are useful and the, the, the commissions going on at the moment are doing really good work in surfacing some of the deep challenges um, in our society. But if you really think about it, these commissions are doing work, and this is why I agree with Cathy, that should be done by other entities, um, but because of institutional inefficiencies, um, because of a, a lack of, of, of political will, a lack of, 
of skills, whatever you want to call it, these things have fallen through the cracks. And, and so, so let's start with Parliament. You know, the role of Parliament is oversight. And, and those committees in Parliament, you know, must hold public offices to account. And that's why they call people in. But the problem often is that, that it just becomes a talk shop. And, and, and Parliament has powers to act. Mm. They have powers to do certain things. Um, and, and, and so in, in the absence of Parliament doing its work, you know, these commissions then pick up, pick up that slack. Um, the same goes for your criminal justice system as a whole. Mm. You know, the TRC um, uh, uh, report, you know, was, was delivered um, uh, 20 years ago, mm. you know, and, 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 you know, and now because of the lack of, of action, and most of it was politically motivated, mm. Mm. you know, people are now saying, you know, the, the institutions that are supposed to deal with it have failed. And mm. that's where the core comes from. But actually, commissions are not really supposed to do that kind of work that should be done by institutions. And so um, I, I think that um, the fact that the president uh, has instituted these commissions is, is actually an admission mm. that, that there's been a failure of governance, a failure of, of accountability. Um, but we cannot run the country on commissions. And so even though we've called for a commission, it is simply because nothing has been done. Mm. And so, so what else is there? Um, and, and when we have this next, the sixth parliament, you know, this is something that I believe will be a, a big challenge for parliament to ask themselves the question, how do we... Mm you know, uh, operate in a way mm. we actually mm. hold people to account. Mm. Mm. How do we strengthen the criminal justice system mm. in such a way that, that people who do criminal things get, mm. get called out? Mm. And, 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 and commissions, unfortunately, mm. are, are picking up, you know, where government and its different agencies have failed. Well, thank you so much, uh, Stan, for giving us your time. That's Stan Hankerman, who is the Executive Director at the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation. Thank you as well to Dr. Kathy Powell, who is an Associate Professor in Public Law at the University of Cape Town. It's been a very uh, interesting conversation, especially taking forward uh, this issue of uh, commissions and where the conversation is currently right now in the country. So we thank you both for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you very Thank you. much. Well, that takes us uh, to 11.46 Central African time. Let's uh, move on quickly to get our business news from Tracy Boomgaard.